You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Happy night, huh? No. Now, Grump, before we get into, obviously, why people are, you know, listening and watching, we're talking about, you know, Black Monday and the beginning of the rebuilding of the Giants. You guys are going to have to give me about 30 seconds. And, you know, if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds, if you don't want to hear this rant, or if you have sensitive ears, just fast forward. And I don't apologize for anything I say. (laughs) Bring it really close to the microphone and into the camera. Oh, boy. Fuck Georgia. (laughs) That's it. So uh, this this uh, weekend we we did go to the Giants game where they lost twenty two to seven as expected. It was it was you know it was garbage, but it was a fun hangout. This this kind of felt like that 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 senior year of high school that you've like failed into your super senior year. You're just waiting for the last day of school to just end it and start yeah. over next year. Um, so it was just kind of like a big hangout, and I got called out for being the the football grump and not actually being grumpy. I, I mean, I don't think you have to prove to anyone that you're the cranky fan. This is 100% why you are the cranky fan. It's losing. Yeah. Losing yeah. really gets you. Losing, yeah. When, when, and it's losing. There's two types of losing. There's losing when it's raw and it's kind of unexpected. And then there's losing where it gets to the point where it's not even it's not even losing anymore. You get numb. Like tonight, you are just I, a loser. Yeah. I am. Yeah, I am. It's very raw tonight. I'm very angry. I'm I'm ready to put a a fist through this wall back here about Georgia. But with the Giants this year, it got out of control so early and just got to a point where you're almost are numb. It's oh, like. Yeah. And, and, and then when it became really, we got to clown season when you're dealing with you know third string, practice squad quarterbacks and you know four fifths of your offensive line are out and you know you don't have your running back he's out your your all your weapons are gone so it's just kind of like just get this thing over with so you're right being at the Meadowlands yesterday felt like the last day of school it was yeah. like it's the last time I'm going to see my school friends until the fall. You know, we're going to hang out for a while. The teacher might be saying something, but you're not really paying attention because, you know, summer vacation is about to, you know, we might as well have golf clubs by the tailgate. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. So I, I get what you're feeling about, you know, yesterday. Yeah, it was it was a nice lighthearted day that, you know, maybe you walk backwards through not paying attention. Um but for but, but today, on the other hand, this is Monday we're recording this, is a sad day for a lot of people around the league. It's Black Monday, and uh, that claimed the, the current NFL careers of Broncos head coach Vic Fangio and his staff. Uh, Bears uh, head coach Matt Nagy, his staff, and GM Ryan Pace as well. So Bears doing a full clean-out. The Vikings doing a full clean-out as well, firing Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman. And then, really interesting, the Dolphins parting ways with head coach Brian Flores but retaining GM Chris Greer. It was kind of leaking out now that there was reported friction between uh, Brian Flores and uh, Tua as well as Chris Greer led to his firing, which I think is still very interesting. Um, Chris Greer is a guy who's been there in Miami for 
like decades now. So mm-hmm. their recent success, you know, I don't know how much is due to him, how much is due to Flores. Well, well I, I know a lot of the inner workings of the Dolphins front office. I have a um, – we have uh, a good friend of ours works in, in the front office for the Dolphins. I'm not going to say who it is or anything, but I know they – in those levels of management there, they're very stable. I mean, he's been there through several head coaches and several mm-hmm. GMs. So um, that is an old guard versus a new guard situation. It certainly so. seems like it, yeah. So what's yeah. interesting about this, and we're going we're gonna to expand on this in a moment, is that the current situation of the Miami Dolphins and the current situation of the New York Giants are now flip-flopped in a little bit. They've retained old guard Chris Greer and got rid of new guard, that New England-style group coaching tree, whatever, Brian Flores, is out. Currently, the Giants' situation is Dave Gettleman, old guard, out. And Joe Judge is currently still employed as head coach, new guard still in. Now, we'll expand on all of that throughout this episode um there's a lot of information that's going to be in this um yeah news day that it just can't fit in this episode so we're gonna do the best we can right now and there will be a very detailed episode coming out very shortly in the coming days regarding the gm search yeah this episode is more of a reaction episode to you know all the news that came out today the news that didn't come out today Mm -hmm. what our reactions are to the news a bit of a post-mortem of what happened leading up to some of the news and then kind of trying to understand the giant fan and seeing how it's devolved into this mob mentality and what should be legitimate gripes and concerns and grievances and what is simply irrational mob mentality. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff in today's episode for sure. Um, so let's start with the, I mean, so the, the headline, just, the headline above the fold is Dave Gettleman is officially retired. Retired. Of, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I didn't really, I mean, I was at work. So like the news came out, it was news we've known for a long time. Uh, we were kind of more focused on what was going to happen with Joe Judge. That seemed to be the more unclear thing. Um, so I didn't see there was no was there like there was no press conference, right? There was just a press release regarding his retirement. So first uh, release was a letter to the season ticket holders. We got that at twelve thirty four p.m. today. Uh, you know, basically Dave Gettleman today announced his retirement as senior vice president. We have to thank him for all his contributions. Today we begin our search for the next general manager. Our process will be deliberate and thorough. We are united in our vision to what attributes our next general manager will possess. We'll find the most outstanding person for the job. Um, we, had, we It's an understatement to say the last few years have been difficult for the organization. Our fans, the frustration is clear. We share it with you. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then at 12.42, the Giants sent out the official communication, like email, Dave Gettleman announces retirement. Giants begin search for next GM. Um, Gettleman informed Giant owners Marin Tish of his intentions within the past few days, and it was announced this morning to the players and coaches in their final team meeting. Uh, he has a couple of quotes from him, and then from Mara and Tish in a joint statement. And blah, 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 blah. The search, journal manager search will begin immediately. It consists of a diverse pool of qualified candidates. Candidates will be announced after each interview is completed. It'll be comprehensive search, um, someone who can oversee all aspects of football operations, including player personnel, college scouting, and coaching. Um, 
and that's that. So that was kind of the timeline of the official news about that. Right, and so the more interesting thing was how the Joe Judge news was weaving in and out of all of that. Um, and we'll kind of break that down. I'll just kind of go through the timeline since you went through the timeline for Dave Gettleman there. Is, you know, I want to say it was two days ago, maybe, maybe it was Sunday. Jay Glazer was reporting that Joe Judge was about 50-50 to come back. Um, and it, it was kind of wild yesterday. We were waiting for like firing news right after the game. Kind of, I was kind of haphazardly checking Twitter for something like that. I didn't expect an immediate thing, but gotta check because who knows, right? Um, and you know, reports were coming out that they just weren't even sure what they wanted to do, and that that to me is strange. I mean, you've had time now to decide that Joe Judge is on the hot seat or not. Like by if you're not going to fire anyone mid-season, you should have a decision at the very end of the season of what you want to do. And so the split nonsense was was really killing me. And I started flipping out last night. I had to just go to bed and just deal with it. But I, I just – I can't. I had a mellow, good day despite the loss, and I didn't want to water it down with nonsense. So, you know, after the game, we were hearing that it was slipping now to 25-75. For him staying and it was more likely that he was going to be gone which which blew my mind even more that they were judging him based on the games or something like that it, yeah and and to me grump this is what got me very concerned and started getting upset is sure the decision to me at this point is almost secondary to the process of getting there if they have you know if they're following a process of we've made an evaluation either we have decided that we are going to fire joe judge we have decided we are retaining Joe Judge, or we've made the decision that the next general manager will make that decision. Any one of those three outcomes I am fine with because at least they're following a process. When we started hearing these rumors about, well, went from 50% to 25% to be back, and the room is split, and maybe some of the players are out, and maybe not, it sounds like there's no process, and it's just becoming which way the wind is blowing and that's what began to scare me and then but i also i take myself off the ledge by these are all rumors mm -hmm. and these are everybody with a blue check mark trying to get there first and everything they they hear you know any graffiti they see on the bathroom wall they are trying to get out there as fast as possible so it's exciting and you want to be on twitter during these moments to hear every little thing but it's unfiltered and raw and probably not accurate a lot so it makes you mental it does um and uh, i think one of the things that started to infuriate me is the, these percentages and, and things it became when i started hearing like some want him gone some is like this number a collective how many people are owners in this you know what i mean that, that's where i started well, to get all, mad that's all horseshit I mean, no no no, no, no seriously just just deal with me for a minute here because yeah as far as i'm concerned dave gettleman has retired that means the whole front office belongs to nobody as far as i'm concerned <laughs> so the only people who should be making this decision at this point should be the owners of the team strictly <laughs> i mean so when I hear that some want him gone, I don't even know what to make of that. Like, who's some? Are these people not owners? Are they part of this old guard that he's kind of calling out or been calling out or that has been called out recently? Um, you know, I, I start to wonder who these people are that don't want him back well, um, so I'm badly. Sure, I'm sure that, you know, Mayor and Tish have 
advisors that they deal with. I'm sure, sure. you know, I don't know. I don't know what the org chart is specifically of the business side of the New York Giants. It may not necessarily be the football operations. You know, that seems pretty clear. Gettleman reports or the GM reports to the owners. The head coach reports to the GM. But on the, the business side of the team, I don't know how they have it structured. I don't know how the two families are interweaved in that. If they're, you know, how they've allocated the individual shares within each of the 50% from each family. You know, do they have voting rights for major decisions like that? We don't know any of that. That's their private company. Well, so well, wait, well, let me ask you, do you think those people should have voting rights? They're owners of a team, absolutely. Well, I mean, outside of John Mara, but the rest of his family. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're an owner, you're an owner. And the way they structure it, I mean, you know, usually you structure something like this where, you know, someone like a uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he has so much control that, you know, you may have voting rights, but you're not, you're never going to win any Right. Vote. Well, I mean, that's not really even my point. I guess it's just like. I don't know. You, you have these family members, and it's really unclear what level of role they have. I mean, like, are you a director of college scouting, or and you also have veto power over the head coach? Seems like a wild amount of responsibility for that job. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's interweavings there that I don't really like. And I, the thing is, is that when we heard that some want him gone, the assumption I think from a lot of people was that it was Steve Tisch because he's a little bit more vocal about the lack of success from the team uh, whenever he's asked. I mean, but I'm, some, what I'm, what I'm asking I mean, is, is it possible that it wasn't Tish at all? And it's these people that are more solidified in there and don't really deserve to be and have a chance to lose their longstanding job within the organization. I mean, it, it could be any, it could be lower level people that, you know, are trying to gain their way up the you know, the organization who are trying to zag instead of zigging for, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't some, know either. And first of all, even percentages are ridiculous. I mean, just by just by saying thirty percent means yeah. you actually talk to thirty people, and uh, you know. Well, I don't think the percentages work out that that it's it's more like yeah. likelihood, not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean that's silly to me. I mean, nobody nobody is unanimous in liking somebody, and no one's unanimous on getting rid of. I mean, if I did a poll right now of every giant fan in Giant Nation and said, "Do you want Joe Judge fired?" It's not going to be 100%. In spite of what the mob wants or thinks, there's going to be people that are much more passionate defenders of them than even I am. You know, I'm not. I and again, I'm going to preface this right now. I am not a Joe Judge defender, apologist, or supporter. So keep that in mind as we have these discussions for the rest of this show and all the way through this off season. But you know, there are people that are apologists, defenders, and supporters. And equally, there are ones that just, you know, want him to go. It could be personal, personality. They don't like his work style. They don't like his performance. They don't like the way he, you know, wears his tie. I, I don't know. So, because people don't like him, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. It, it, it only comes up to the decision of, of Mayor and Tish, what they want, and how much influence is, else is in the building. Because that influence will affect you know, the decision on the GM, how the GM will make his decisions, how he'll work with the, you know, what kind of resistance he will get going forward, how much resistance Judge will get going forward. That needs to be investigated is 
what are the inner workings of this organization right now? Who has the true power? We don't know that. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, – I don't know. It's – right now it seems like we might be either falling off a cl- – we might be on the precipice of either making a severe change within the organization for the better or for the worse. I don't really know. But a severe change where it's a cleaned house operation that – I don't know the last time we've seen that here. And we may also be on the precipice of avoiding that decision altogether, keeping the things the way they've always been and just kind of rolling over and going through the same old process of promoting from within and and that sort of thing. I think they're going to get there. I think ultimately you're going to see a complete clean house because this is not 1979. Mm -hmm. I mean, 1979... The media, they remember, we're talking about a time in 1979 where basically you got your information from three newspapers, mm-hmm. three networks, and two independent stations on their 10 o'clock news. This is 1979 is even before ESPN. It's mm-hmm. before cable. It's before the internet. It's before Twitter. It's before blogs. It's before podcasts. It's before the grump was born all of these things so the magnification of the outrage and the magnification of the you know the fan disgust and revolt that we're hearing now it will have an impact now it's not i mean i've seen some people say like just don't just don't buy your season tickets next year well we can all be very outraged at this but we're also not stupid we're not, we're not giving up our psls so but you know, there's other ways that you know the, the giant fan can protest. I mean, just you know, not go to games, not you know, buy gear, not not do anything. Just, but it's so much more magnified now how you can voice yourself and how much the frustration can show that this can't go on. My question to you, Grump, is making change because of fan revolt is that necessarily the right move for this organization? Is change just to change, right, or you make a change where they is part of a plan, the more sensible way to do it. Well, I think I don't think you listen to the fans ever. Um, that's that's my like number one thing. But I think at this point, I, I think you you self evaluate and evaluate yourself against the rest of the league. Um, and I think at this point, the John, I think John Mara can look at his time. When he's since he's taken over as the the controlling owner of this team, and his slow transitions in and out of guys, and how it just—I think you can look back and see that it's just been a slow decline since he's taken over. And I'm not throwing all the blame on him or anything like that. I don't think I know enough to say that, but I, I think. He's very much part of this Giants process that does things this way and we're going to change slowly and treat everyone like a family and and roll the red carpet out the door for them. And, and that's not just for Gettleman. I just mean everyone in general. And I think you can just look at it. He was just kind of going by the family mantra this whole time. And it's at a point now where this this department, this, this front office is perhaps prehistoric against the rest of the leagues. Now fans have been crying for this for a very long time. Perhaps they were right from the beginning, 
Um, but I think now you can actually, as John Mara, look at what the fans have been saying for a long time, corroborates with what the rest of the league is doing, what you are not doing, and where you're seeing success versus failure. And so ultimately, I don't think you listen to the fans. I think in this case, probably the fans have been screaming for this louder and louder slowly over time. We're correct. But for the most part, fans are very reactionary and say whatever thing they think helps the most immediately and in the most short term and the most instant gratification. So no, I don't think you listen to the fans. But I think in this case, when you do evaluate yourself and evaluate the rest of the league and you see where the successes and failures are, I think at this point you see that you do need to overhaul everything you have. Your current... Your worked-in regime of 90-year-old guys and training personnel that, that use leeches to, to uh, alleviate pain and, and you know, get their humors in order. Um, <laughs> you know, use that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's time to blow that shit up and start over. I mean, I, I think that's – I think we're late on this, right? Like I think we're like a decade late on this, but – it's better don't don't do the slow process man I, I don't know but you know that's kind of where we are right now the more interesting thing is you know joe judge then you know so we're here he is in the morning he's like basically on a hot seat that's so hot it might literally burn the skin off of his ass and then he goes about his morning meeting with his team which is a typical season ending meeting they walk out nothing's happened josina anderson reports that joe judge is safe Jay Glazer starts to walk back to 50-50 again, and then he has a separate meeting with the owners much later in the afternoon. He walks out of that office, and he is still here. I th- I've cautioned people now that just because he's still here and he passed that original, the owners haven't fired him, does not mean that new GM won't fire him, right? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Uh, 100%. 100%. Again, just because we don't know what the process is going to be don't assume also there is no process. You know, mm, it's, yeah. it's not ownership's responsibility to tell you exactly what they are going to do at all. Yeah. Their, job is to, their job is to tell you when something has happened. So, you know, he survived 24 hours. He survived Black Monday. Does that mean there's a much better chance that on right now that he will be coaching on opening deck next year than he did this time last night. Right. I, I, I'd say to say you get past this big hurdle. Yeah. You know, but we do not know. I mean, there was no press statement saying Joe judge will be evaluated in the following ways. We will have a meeting with him. We will let the next GM make a decision. We don't know any of that. And they're not under any obligation to do that. You know, if there is news about him, we will know about it. Until then, it's status quo. But people don't want to hear that. And it's really interesting how the the mob mentality has kind of moved this season. How this all went from really – the Gettleman thing was always bubbling underneath as he was scapegoat number one. But how it went to Jason Garrett. All the problems with this defense, this offense was Jason Garrett. He was the marked man. They got rid of him. It started to talk about Daniel Jones for a bit. You know, is he the guy? Is he the guy? We, one week, he was there with Freddie Kitchens. Gets hurt, done for the year. Then it turned on, you know, once you go to a, a backup quarterback, 
a third string quarterback, all the you know the additional injuries that put us into, you know, quite frankly, you know, the embarrassment that we are, and we are the butt of all the jokes, and there were all the memes and all the you know the jokes about uh, you know quarterback sneaks, and we're going to get to that, you know, we're going to cover that next, but it all became on Joe Judge, and it was exactly to your point, Grump. We have to blame somebody right now. We need to fix this right now. This isn't, the mob doesn't think of terms of all the issues that are caused by this team. The lack of roster development for the last three years, the lack, including roster depth, so they can withstand a normal amount of injuries, the injuries that happen, you know, coaching decisions that may or may not have been determined because of the roster currently playing. They don't want to hear that. It's all because of Joe Judge. And they built it up to a fever pitch, which kind of hit its crescendo yesterday during the game, where, you know, a simple play where if you, you know, third and nine on your own four-yard line, down six in the first half with a third-string quarterback, when you've been in a similar situation the week before, causing a safety and, you know, doing what the coaching staff thinks is in their best interest to win a game, which is what all you people want, is this kind of like, that is what, you know, was the spark that set up this in, in, insanity that's been going on for the last 24 hours. So to see people on Twitter just going out of their fucking minds today that Joe Judge hasn't been fired yet, I, I, I just think people just need to take a step back and really analyze what is wrong with this team and what you think the simple, you know, the solutions are. And Joe Judge may or may not be that problem, but he's not the answer to your dreams, like getting rid of uh, Jason Garrett or getting rid of Dave Gettleman. Where there's a collection of things that has to be taken care of. Well, I, I sort of agree with you. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty good uh, indication of what mob mentality is kind of like around here. But but the mob does follow certain indicators, right? I mean, like. Jason Garrett was a disaster from the moment he came here. This offense never took off the ground from the moment he got here. It was reported. We we know it now. We, it has been sourced that Jason Garrett was forced on Judge, and he was kind of cornered into keeping him again this year, even though he wanted to move on. So there is reason to blame Jason Garrett. Now, of course— Well, well wait a minute. Why are we blaming Jason Garrett for being forced on— Well, whatever. I mean, yeah. there's—stop. There's, there, there's two issues there, right? Okay, so John Mara forced him on Joe Judge. But the, the the greater thing is that Jason Garrett was the problem with the offense to begin with. But the idea that getting rid of him midseason was going to change the offense was silly. It needed to happen before the season started. Um, and it didn't. So, yeah, of course the mob went nuts when, when nothing changed. Although, to be fair, Daniel Jones and Freddie Kitchens together did string together wins. Um, and then, you know... He gets hurt, and we start hearing about, you know, it, it's it's a legitimate complaint to say that Daniel Jones is not healthy very often, um, in addition to not being spectacular when he is healthy. He is perhaps average at best for the rest of his career, in addition to also being injury-prone or injury injured often. Um, so, you know, that's a legitimate gripe. And then you're right, Joe Judge... The, the everything very quickly turned on him towards the end of the season um but again he didn't help himself because 
his in-game management, not even just the game plan and, and having to deal with injuries, his in-game management, his clock management, his timeout management is not good. There's a legitimate reason to not like him. But, like you said, the mob jumps to him when that is the newest thing to blame, as if fixing this one loose screw, tightening this loose screw, will suddenly fix the car. Well, Grump, do we, do we remember last year having the criticisms about like let's the benign things relatively like the clock management and the timeout usage and, and things like that do you remember those being real criticisms last year or was he actually doing the same thing last year that he's doing this year um i mean there was some weirdness there um and there was other weird things too but we kind of chalked it up to him inheriting the roster that he's kind of got and doing the best he can like i mean think about the o-line rotations that we saw where guys were kind of subbing in and out. And that was sort of weird, and we kind of commented it was weird, but it was also like, I mean, this is what he's got. He's trying to do the best he can, you know, whatever. Right, but I mean, you know... Ultimately, to answer your question, not really, but it also didn't feel like there were this many weird decisions with the clock last year. And, and I feel like, and I'm going to stick by this, I think a lot of decisions he made were not ideal situ- not ideal decisions he would have made if he had a healthy roster. I mean, and again, I'm going to go back to that same, that play again, that 39 quarterback sneak play. That was a play, that was a situation that we are basically in a hopeless situation going into this game. We know what Jake Fromm is and we know what he's not. You know, Will Hernandez even gets hurt in this game. So we are a, a the thinnest of offensive lines you can possibly have. You know, the only – he is still coaching to win. He's not coaching to tank. Coaches don't tank. You know, he's coaching – and the way coaches think, and this is my biggest argument with everybody on Twitter today trying to defend what he did was coaches look at everything from a risk-reward analysis, every decision they make. And in that moment, if he's trying to win the game in the big picture – He's conceding that third down just to get out of there to maximize a punter, giving him the most yards to get the ball the hell out of there. So a safety, a block kick, catastrophe happens. Because at that point in the game, it's a six. We down six? Down three? It was one score. It was one score. I mean – People are like, well, just go for it. what do you have to lose? We saw the evidence of what happens when what do you have to lose. We saw it last week. We saw what Mike Glennon did when you have, when there's nothing to lose. It gets it snowballs out of control really quickly. So it's not a question of you know, and this is just another example of things that are questionable decision making that due to the situation that he has to deal with, he has to alter his maybe his normal thinking and doing things and. I really think that, you know, let's say next year Daniel Jones is healthy and he's your number one quarterback and you have a relatively healthy roster and the offensive line's a little better. Would you see some of the decisions for the conservatism on fourth down? Maybe, maybe not. But that's what you want to find out. You don't want to make your decisions based on what's happened in the last four weeks because that's not a real roster. This is not a real team. He can't, he's hamstrung on what he can do. Now next year, if everything is you know a better roster and things are looking better, and 
why are we punting on the 38-yard line on fourth down and three or something? Then you can say, well, maybe this guy is not a very good head coach, and maybe you make the decision to move on if the record backs it up. But for all of you out there who are just, you know, oh, my, just going over the top, acting like Jet fan on draft day, every decision that's made now, just take a step back and just kind of put everything in a big-picture perspective. I thought those two quarterback sneaks were some of the funniest moments of my time as a Giants fan. Right, but they're fun. they were kind of like it was funny. I don't think it was about, a bad. I mean, look, they tried to run the ball on first down. I think they started with a false friggin' start. I mean, yes, it, it, and they they cannot gain yards. You know, it, it's in a normal situation. It, yeah, it, it was. I, I get it. I understand what happened there. I mean, and it's not even like you have a quarterback with a big arm that you can just chuck a prayer and it's basically a punt if it's. If it's intercepted, even if he gets the throw off, I mean, you don't even have that. So, I get it. I understand what happened. I understand why it's also embarrassing that that is the state of your team with backups. But it is what it is. I mean, if if I'm coach, I'm probably thinking that I I've already joked that I'd punt on third down a couple times this year. That might have been the time I would have done it. To be honest with you, why the hell year, not? There was a year in Florida football in the mid nine in the early nineties. Steve Spurrier actually punted on third down. It was a similar situation. I remember, forget, we had a backup quarterback in or something, or it might have been like Terry Dean or some quarterback, and the offense was not moving at all. And we were pinned deep, and he punted on third down. They asked, like, why'd you punt on third down? And he's like, well, we weren't getting it anyway. We might as well get it out of there as fast as we could in case any more trouble happened. I mean, yeah, it's laughable, but it's laughable only because this season was so over, and it, it was just... Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> all right, well, you know. This isn't a week five decision. Yeah, this is not a – people are taking it personally and literally as like we are this bad and this is how dumb we are. And it's just like uh, – uh, uh, and I even look at it as even giving up. Like, you know, we have, we can even – I don't know if we'll have time to talk about this today, but the, uh, the Vegas game last night, we're talking about with the tie, like – there was real conversation about both teams, you know, at some point in dealing and just saying, we'll take the tie. You know, some people have been thinking they should have done it on the first snap and every team just alternating, you know, three play kneel downs every, every, you know, drive and stuff. That's different than what this is. I mean, this, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like this to me, my heart was out of this team six, seven weeks ago. I knew the season was over and I was right. just kind of like, all right, let's just get this over with, and we'll move on. Like today's the first day of the rest of our lives with this team, but you know, if you want this team, if you really wanted to win those last games, Joe Judge was actually doing really analytically and otherwise the best chance to win. And if you don't like the way that looks because of the state of the team, you know, season's over and we move on. But don't use that as like the you see. That's why we need to get rid of this guy because that's silly. Well, I agree. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little excited here. So the the Giants have reportedly. Um, ooh, I thought I thought I accidentally stopped recording for a moment there. The Giants are reportedly interviewing quite a number of people here. Wait, 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 wait! wait. But before we even get there, let's talk about Gettle post mortem Gettleman. Go ahead, kill him. Right. 
so so Grump, you know, before we turn the page and we start looking forward to the rest of our lives, like I mentioned, we should probably take one final look at Dave Gettleman and kind of do a postmortem about, well, what went wrong and how was this a failure and what was really, you know, attributable to, like I said before, there's three things that happened with this team and three things you can assign blame to. Roster management, you know, building a, a suitable starting 11, a suitable depth in a roster, injuries and coaching. So Gettleman is responsible for the first part of it, roster management and roster development and roster depth. So Grump, what went wrong? I think in 2018, you got the wrong coach to begin with. Um, I don't know that a lot of the initial moves that, that Dave Gettleman made were were awful uh, in terms of wheeling and dealing guys, getting them out. Um, some of the, I think a lot of it was 2018 was a rough year for free agents. It was a rough year for head coaches, and so it was it was off to a rocky start. And they dug deep into the running back first kind of mentality and their attempts to fortify the offensive line. There were several. I mean, they they did invest into trying to make the offensive line better. Their attempts and their ability to scout offensive linemen was a failure. And um, that was one of Dave Gettleman's mantras coming in here is one of the things he wanted to do was to something like run the ball, protect the quarterback, and get after the quarterback or, or something like that. And so two of those things relied on the offensive line. And they did make an attempt to fix it, and their attempts were bad. Um, and I think ultimately that was their failure, is that the, the thing that they needed the most emphasis on and that they tried to put the most emphasis on, they whiffed on their ability to determine talent there. I mean, I think the two big things that doomed him from the very beginning were – and. The first one may not be entirely his fault. Was the decision that they could still win with Eli Manning? I don't think that was his. I don't think he had a single bit of say in that. Exactly, and that's why. I mean, but that's a decision that was made under his watch. It may not have been his decision, but you know, if he was hamstring from that, then you know, as you're going through making your voodoo dolls for Dave Gettleman, you can pull that pin out of him because that wasn't his necessarily his call. Um, in hindsight, the fact is, instead of going for you know an elite offensive lineman, an elite edge rusher, or maybe an elite quarterback, he made the decision to draft Saquon Barkley. And not only draft Saquon Barkley, basically let everybody know that's who he was drafting. Hmm. So, you know... But I mean, it was so it was Saquon Barkley over Sam Darnold. It was over Quentin Nelson, Bradley Chubb. You know all these other guys that um, have had success. I mean, Quentin Nelson right there might be one of the best offensive linemen in football. Mm-hmm. And for a a guy whose sole thing, I mean, he could have, I mean, he could have doubled down and gotten Quentin Nelson and Will Hernandez in the same draft. And you know, and, and I don't even know that anyone would have complained if that was the result. Sure, I mean. If we, one of the things we criticized Jerry Reese for was building a roster outside in. Correct. This and, was an attempt at building it inside out. It just was rotted from the inside out. Well, I mean, it's hard to say they're trying to build inside out when you have a marquee draft pick you were using on a running back. Well, without having the offensive line to give that running back the best chance to succeed. 
I, I sort of understand that, but with the number two overall pick, there's not really a lot of trenches picked there. Like I said, Quentin Nelson's one. He was picked at six, I think. That's that's kind of a trade down scenario. I don't know that. Trade down. Yeah. Well, that that's that's fair. I understand that, but I I I wouldn't say just because he was a running back and they were picking the fact that they're picking it too almost forces you to take an outside in pick right off the bat. And I I understand about trading down and and all that, and perhaps that's one of his bigger failures as well in in general as a as a GM. But um, for for those who said that, and, and it might have even been me, you know, about Dave Gettleman not trading down. Ever and then suddenly doing it, I don't. I still don't think that's his identity. I think that's the Patriots' identity. Uh, I uh, I wish I could remember who reported it either today or yesterday. It was a beat reporter. Somebody said, and it was very casually just slipped in there that Joe Judge has more say on player personnel than is publicly acknowledged. Um, I believe from looking through notes on GMs and guys that have come out of New England. Trading down was not anything to do with Dave Gettleman. I think that was insisted upon him to start listening for trade downs. Um, it's just there's not much precedence for it ever having happened with him. But knowing more and more about Joe Judge, perhaps having more and more say in the organization, it's really just likely that it came from there. Do we do we think that's a bad thing though? I mean. Well, no, I mean, in a certain sense, I mean, that's bringing us into the 21st century. It's just a matter of, I think fans don't want a coach who is perhaps not a very good coach to have complete control of the organization. It especially looks bad when it looks like Bill O'Brien and what happened in Houston. But that's not what we said, though. We didn't say he had complete control. We said he had more of a say. Yeah. No, and you're correct. um, Two of the things that were kind of head scratchers with Dave Gettleman in the 2019 draft was trading up for DeAndre Baker, which we later learned was Pat Shermer insisting on that to happen. Uh, and I think Kyle Aletta was also a Pat Shermer um, insistence. So let's, let's flip this around then again that we just said, is that necessarily a bad thing that a coach is involved? Is that a bad thing on the GM to let a coach have too much? I mean, no, so I don't is think it's that. Like I said, defined. Pat Shermer was a bad hire. I think I don't think Pat Shermer really is a good head coach. I don't think that he. I think his judgment in terms of younger players maybe is not that good. I mean, if he insisted on DeAndre Baker despite the red flags, which is what was reported um, about him not being a high character, high work ethic guy, and acknowledging that they would have to kick his ass into shape and that he wanted somebody with a little bit of grit to him or whatever. I mean, that to me, it's Pat Shermer that whiffed on that whole evaluation. It sounds like the scouting department had him pegged right and wanted to stay off of him. Um, I think you listen to your head coach, but your head coach has to know what he's talking about. Okay. So we're saying then that we think that was a Gettleman flaw of listening to people that he probably shouldn't have been just because should have never even hired Pat Shermer. Right. But he's there. So listening to people who may not be as qualified in, in taking, you know, getting the inputs, one thing, using that input as what you're doing is ultimately the GM's ultimate call. I guess. Yeah. Fair. Grump, before we, we go, do you remember after year two, I mean, I guess, you know, there's been a lot of kind of off the record and, and reported comments of support for Joe Judge from ownership. 
Now, I, I get it that there wasn't a change in GM around the same time that kind of necessitates this, but do you remember it was Pat Shermer getting this much support publicly or off the record, or it's been reported that, that judges now prior no. to the prior three weeks? I'm, I'm, no, I mean, I'm, he's, he's kind of the most boring hire there is in the universe, Pat Shermer. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious if, if we're following a pattern with uh, ownership, like they're all in with somebody until they're not. No, I don't think so. I think this is the most all in they've ever been. It seems to me. Um, so let's let's jump into this really quickly. Um, I'm not going to get into who these people are. I'm just going to list the guys that are listed for interviews. Kevin Abrams is reportedly not one of them, even though he was initially reported as one. It seems that that has been walked back, and I want to say that happened after Joe Judge's meeting with owners. I want to say that that's correct. Um, but as of this morning, that was a different story. He was one of the first people to be on the list. But the people who are on the list are Joe Shane, a Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills assistant general manager, Monty Austinfort, the uh, Tennessee's director of player personnel, uh, Ryan Poles, Kansas City's executive director of player personnel, Adrian Wilson, the Arizona Cardinals vice president of pro personnel, Adam Peters, San Francisco's assistant GM, uh, Rand Carthon, San Francisco's director of player personnel, and Ryan Cowden, who is Tennessee's vice president of player personnel. The thing that I think is different about this, and what gets me excited, and I'll get more into this in the future video when we actually break these guys down, which is coming out this week, um, is that I think a lot of these guys have experience building up from nothing. A lot of these guys. Um, and I think that Joe Judge has called out kind of this 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 issue in the front office, perhaps, of guys that don't belong there. And it looks like we might be able to match up two people who are going to blow up the whole thing. It's possible. Like I said, it feels like we're on the precipice of either actually restarting this franchise from the ground up and making it into a one cohesive 21st century organization or wasting this opportunity and falling right back into same old same old it seems like we're right there it seems like you know if they keep joe judge you're not completely all in with completely blowing everything up and starting over that's not saying so? that's not saying i don't mean know, he doesn't they, have any ties to the old guard there no, but I mean, you're also you're you're inheriting this, you know, and it's just like that. That's true. You know, he's there now. Again, we should make this point. I made it on Twitter all day today, and I'm keep going it. The mandate, if that's even a mandate, which I don't think Joe, it is, but which is like Joe Judge will be back. If we even think that's the case, that doesn't mean it's a lifetime commitment to Joe Judge. He's not. J. Edgar Hoover. He's not going to be the head coach until he dies. The only thing that we've been hearing from reports is they want to retain him, you know, going forward for this year. You know, if a GM and people are like, well, how would it, how many GM candidates really would look at this job if they have to work with Joe Judge? It's like everybody who they, all those names you listed out from the different teams and everything, none of them is currently a GM, correct? 
this is a major jump for all of those guys. All of them are very young. They're, all of them are very young. Um, they are not going to dismiss, you know, this because that, you know, who knows what other jobs out there, you know, that are available that this coach has to stay for, for general managers. We, what the protocol is, what I think is going to happen if they hire one of these guys is they're, they're going to say that we would like Joe Judge to stay. You, we would like you to evaluate him, but the evaluation period might be a season. And quite frankly, this team's not going to the Super Bowl next year, no matter what happens in the draft, what happens in free agency, what happens with the trade. I don't think there's any harm in that. That doesn't bother me. Well, that was my question was going to be for you is that, do you think that the coach GM cycle has to be very linked? Because to me, I don't think it does. I'm more worried about the coach quarterback cycle. I think those guys need to be much more like coach GM. I mean, if if you bring in, let's say, who, who did I say first? Joe Shane. You bring in Joe Shane, and you're like, listen, we think we've got something here with Joe Judge. We think we nailed something, but we're not sure because it's been a little tenuous and, you know, everything's murky and cloudy. We're not sure if he's actually bad or if he was dealt a bad hand. We'd like you to use him if you can, but it's up to you. And to he, let's just say Joe Shane decides that he's going to let him stay. He could fire him at the end of the year and just hire who the hell he wants yeah. the next year anyway. I mean, yeah, is it, the it, GM going to be immediately on board or, or on the hook for a bad season the next year? I don't. I don't think so. GMs don't come in and clean house unless they have a plan. Also, like, sorry, and quite frankly, it's not like there's. $200 million in cap space next year that this GM may be potentially throwing at the head coach however he wants and not the way the GM wants. It's not like he's got a lot of room to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean... you If you're hiring a GM, you're asking, what is your plan to bring this team back? And... Having to firing a coach right away is adding one more thing that that coach, that GM has to worry about. You know, he's, if you're bringing in a guy right now, you have to deal with pretty much you're inheriting a scouting department. You know, you're not going to fire the scouts right now and start all over for a draft that's going to happen in three months. So already you have a disconnect between the GM and the whole scouting department. So you have to work with those guys. You know, after the draft is over, then you can work on maybe bringing in your own your talent evaluation, your scouts, all of that stuff. I, unless he comes in and says, "Listen, I'm coming in. I have already spoke to Eric Bieniemy. He wants to come here as well. This is part of my plan. He comes in. He imp- implements, you know, his offense. You know, we I, I can pull another." coach from Kansas City, we can get this thing started right now, then it makes sense. Right. But just to, just to have him come in and say, okay, well, first things first, you know, I didn't hire Joe Judge, fuck you, you're out, then what? <laughs> I mean, and he has to start from scratch, you know, and he's trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to build an architect for a house and you also have to buy all the, the raw materials to build a house at the same time. It's not. It's it's much much harder job. I think you know any GM or anybody who does anything in their job successfully takes a step. It takes a second, evaluates what they're inheriting, what they have, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. I mean, he keeps Joe Judge. 
a year, one or two things will happen. He likes working with Joe Judge. There's progress. The record is better. The team is healthier. They stay. And in a way we go with that, you know, even though we didn't hire him, he wants him to keep some. Or you're fired, we bring in someone else, and then they're on the same schedule. They don't have to start the same year. I think fans kind of like, when they keep hearing, oh, they're not in different cycles. All it really means is they want a GM who is in control of the coach. And that can be rectified very simply. Mm. Not that hard. I, I think I agree with you. But I, I also acknowledge that like the GM stuff – I'm not very good at this stuff. I'm going to do the best I can at evaluating these guys, but I think it's very hard to de- to decide and, and figure out exactly whose responsibilities were what in, in every organization around the league. I mean, it's hard enough to even figure that. I still don't know what Kevin Abrams' job is here. It's very all, unclear. I've heard like six different do, reports. Yeah, all we can really do is as we go through our research and, and the possible candidates is just this is where they were. At the yeah. time, and say what did that time? What did that team do? What were the key roster building and coaching acquisitions, deletions that happened during that time? And did it work? Like if we talk about, you know, uh, a guy from Buffalo, for example. Well, you know, was he around when they drafted um, Josh Allen? Josh Allen was he around? You know, for for player X or player Y? You know. We don't, it doesn't necessarily matter if he was the one who made the, the, the call or not, but part of that culture, part of that world. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what you can expect with the upcoming episode, which should be coming out just a little bit later this week, where we kind of go through the GM search and uh, you know the guys that are on the list. Uh, half of that is a little bit done. It's just a lot of names came flying out all today. Uh, so we're going as fast as we can, but that video should be out as soon as uh, we can get it out. Um, So for that kind of – go ahead. And I was going to say, you know, for Giant fans, I know you're all frustrated. I know you're in mob mentality mode. I know you want to burn the house down. We waited – you know, you've waited for this rebuild for 10 years. Don't expect everything to happen in 24 hours. You know, this is going to take a little time. Well, not for day. nothing. These 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 six guys that were all announced today. Remember, they've known Dave Gettleman is retiring for over a year. I would think at this point, this is a very wide net that was cast. That I believe these relationships were were started months ago. In my well, opinion. let's also say you know these high, these people that have been speculated to get interviews because as we read in the uh, the press statement, they are the Giants themselves are not going to announce anything about anyone until they've already had an interview. And there's also but the, but they have to make an official request with the league, so we know that they're asking for an interview with them. And is also is is the rule the same that they can't talk to anybody in the postseason until after the postseason? Uh, no, I don't believe that's true. Um, because I think I I don't think I thought that at first, but I saw that Dan Duggan was reporting that it looks like next week is going to be some of the interviews, and maybe sometime this week as well. Um, I don't totally know the answer to that question. Okay, so if that is still the case, and you know, correct as me if I'm wrong, but that net might be wider than it originally is because there may be other candidates out there they may have interest in. Well, I think so, but it wouldn't be because they're in the playoffs because every single one of these candidates are in the playoffs right now. Okay, so I guess maybe then if they're having if the interview process is starting in the next week or so, then maybe that rule is gone. Then right. But, so. Okay, then. Or in some way altered. You know, I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, maybe that they maybe that they can have interviews but can't announce a hire or something like that until they. I feel like it might have been altered the old rule, but it's not gone. Like you can't just. I mean, that's kind of unfair to the teams in the playoffs. Right. Um. I mean, I guess for GM, I mean, it's like, what the hell is the GM doing in the in the playoffs? I mean, I guess he's got some waiver wire and shit responsibilities. I guess for last second stuff but you got like four games left it's not like you're high you're signing too many guys i mean gms you know you're doing something and not on vacation from you know yeah but it's not like it's not like a head coaching candidate where you got like an offensive coordinator who then is kind of dropping the ball on his you know game planning responsibilities you know what i mean that's different right. than what a gm does on a day-to-day basis in the playoffs yeah I, that's possible so, so it might be different rules based on front office guy versus uh yeah, I, I really don't know whether – yeah, that's yeah. true. We're not talking about a head coach or an assistant or anything. But, that's yeah, true. Well, and in any case, we will have that episode in later on this week. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He is at the cranky fan. This show is at Just Giants Pod, which can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. In addition to YouTube, where you can see our lovely faces as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will catch you all a little bit later this week and in – Unless there's breaking news, the next episode recapping the week of news will be next Tuesday. Um, but we fully expect, you know, like I said, there's going to be an episode about these GM guys, and I expect more breaking news to come out. All right, everyone, we'll see you later. Go Jacks. Go Jacks.